0: You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org. We've been going through Psalm 119 verse by verse over the last several weeks, and we're going to do it. Um, This morning, I want to share with you about a theme within Psalm 119 that's been there already, but I'm going to bring our attention to it in this last portion of Psalm 119, which is the testimony of God. The testimony of God and that Hebrew word that, that we translate to the word testimony or testimonies is a Hebrew word very simply meaning the claim of God. The divine claim, God's like charge or divine charge about himself, his claim about himself, the testimony of God. And I want to speak to you about that this morning. I want to share from my heart about that. We have a daily Test a daily invitation as to whether or not we're going to believe the testimony of God about the claim that he's made about himself or whether we're going to believe the testimony of the, the swirl of voices that we hear in our own heads or opinions flying around society or opinions of other people that we live life with. What testimony are we going to believe? Are we going to believe the testimony of God, the claim that God makes about himself? So I believe this is a message for many this morning. If you are sitting with an unanswered prayer, will you believe the testimony of God? If, you're been, if you've been praying and contending for a breakthrough in a family member for their salvation, will you stand and believe on the testimony of God? If your heart is longing for restoration in a relationship or in your marriage, will you cling to the testimony of God, over the testimony of your emotions of that day and the trials that you're facing, will you trust the testimony of God? If you've ever had kids in your home, you may recall moments where your kids have a dispute, They they have a conflict, they have bickering that's going on and your kids come to you two of your kids come to you and they they both want to give you their side of the story and they're they're quick to try to share their side of the story right they want to get the first word in maybe, maybe they'll first dibs and they'll convince you early and there as as parents you're the arbitrator of, of truth okay whose story whose story is true here is it a or b and we we know as parents that oftentimes it's somewhere in the middle right They both have this uh, fleshly tainted view of things. But when it comes before our life in God, there is the true testimony which stands apart that is pure and perfect and true with a capital T. And then there is this swirl of opinions of other claims of testimonies, people in uh, principalities trying to convince you of other opinions. And you stand there on a daily basis With that looming question, will you trust the testimony of God? So there's this this fascinating story in 2 Kings chapter 18. We will get to Psalm 119, but I want to open with a story from 2 Kings chapter 18. There's this fascinating story about righteous, godly King Hezekiah. He served as a good king during the time of the prophet Isaiah brought a lot of reformation, restoration in Judah. But one day, a messenger from a foreign empire, from Assyria, came to King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah had a story over his life that he, was, that he trusted in the Lord, that he held fast to the Lord. This is a very, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a quote from verses five and six, that he trusted in the testimony of the Lord. He held fast to the Lord. But one day, a messenger from the, from the kingdom of Assyria came to King Hezekiah. And he announced to him that Assyria is going to come attack Judah. And the message that he brought to King Hezekiah was this. On what do you rest this trust of yours? You've rebelled against the king of Assyria. So who are you trusting in now? This is our life With God. On a daily basis, we have these voices. We have the enemy. We have maybe even other human voices asking us that question Who are you trusting now? Who are you putting your trust in? You've turned your back on me. Who who is your trust really resting in? This messenger boldly claimed. To Hezekiah, that if you trust in anyone else, you will die. And the messenger starts to point Hezekiah to the, the huge resume that Assyria has of annihilating other kingdoms. He said, "Just look at our look at our uh, the wake, in, you know, in, in our trail that we've left of other kingdoms. Who will you trust?" This messenger told King Hezekiah, "You have nothing but words." So this is what the messenger is telling King Hezekiah. And now the messenger takes it up a notch and he actually tries to get to the very heart of the people of Judah and he addresses the people. And he tells them, don't be deceived. Don't let King Hezekiah fool you and make you trust in the Lord. And he says, make peace with me. Come out to me. That alluring voice of the enemy to say, put your trust in me. Stop, stop with your foolishness. Trusting the Lord, trusting Yahweh, putting your, your trust and your hope in this God who's left you hanging. Put your, make peace with me. And the people thanked the Lord, they were silent in their response. And the prophet Isaiah spoke to them. He said, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard. All those voices in your head, do not be afraid the voice of the enemy that you hear that feels unrelenting. Maybe there's, you have a, a friend in your life that's not serving the Lord, and they're always giving you their opinion. They're offering it to you freely. Maybe you're streaming, you know, you're going through your, your, um, your feed on social media, and you're, getting, you're accumulating all these opinions that don't have a care for you and don't have a, a care for truth. The Lord is saying... Do not be afraid because of these words that you have heard. Trust in the testimony of the Lord. Whose testimony will you believe this morning? I'm praying for a hunger in your heart, primarily for a love for Jesus that would flow out of a hunger in your heart for his word, for the the pure testimony of God about what he's claimed about himself, what he's revealed about himself. There's so much more there. Let's let's get into Psalm 119. So this, this Hebrew word testimony means the claim of God, the charge that God has made about himself to humanity. And says in verse 129, that your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. This is verse 129. Your testimonies are wonderful. This claim that you make about yourself, Lord, is wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and I pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression, that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. I hope you've sensed this through this entire time we've been going through Psalm 119. We don't need to shy away from the realities of the battle. The psalmist, there's this raw, like gut-wrenching honesty about the tensions that we live with every day. But the psalmist gets down on his knees and cries out to the Lord about oppressions and persecutions and difficulties and even frustrations. But when he gets up from his knees, there's this resolve that the testimonies of the Lord stand true. And my prayer for us as a church family and for you as an individual is that you'd hear the testimony of God and it would stand apart from all the other voices. From all the rest of the chattering that's happening in your life. That the testimony of God would be different. And as the psalmist says, the testimony of God would be wonderful to you. Like your ears would perk up. There's maybe a moment of confusion, maybe a, a moment where you feel oppressed or overwhelmed, but then the testimony of God pierces through it. And your ears perk up because the testimonies of God are wonderful. You know, baseball season is just starting. Praise the Lord! I love baseball. My son here in the front row—he's just a stud of a baseball player. Um, and so I get excited this time of year to get out on the ball field and play with the kids, and then also just watch my kids. But I've, I've realized something over the years watching my kids play sports and watching my boy play baseball, and that is as I'm cheering, either from the dugout or from the from the stands. My son hears my voice above all the rest of the voices. That can be all these voices. Coaches, valid voices, you know, coaches and fans and spectators. Opposing fans. Ridiculing him, whatever. Jeez, I mean, fans are ridiculous these days. Let's be honest. I mean, these, like, opposing fans get after these kids. who are 10, 11, 12 years old. It's just crazy. But I've noticed my son hears my voice I'm not a shouter. It's not about volume. It's about relationship and divine encounter that we have, we've already had with truth. We've had this encounter with truth, at the cross, we're going to point to here at the end through communion. There's something in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the clouds or the fog, where God doesn't leave us hanging. Instead, He, he pierces through and He gives us a glimpse again of His reality, of His truth. And we hear his voice, his testimony that stands apart. Let's keep reading. Verse 137 says, Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. You've appointed your testimonies. There it is. You've appointed that claim about yourself in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried, and your servant loves it. I'm small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandment are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding, Lord, that I may live. Will you trust the testimony of the Lord? Will you allow his testimony to give you understanding about how to truly live, about which way is right? There's only, there can only be one right answer, one right way to live. And it's the testimony of God that becomes that, that signpost that points us towards the one way for human flourishing. Which testimony will you trust? Where will you place your trust this day. The Lord has appointed a testimony over your life. Tis testimony of your life. I recall a, a season in my life where this was put to the test. I spent a summer in Rwanda, Africa to go and serve and study under my former dean of engineering, who was a spirit-filled man of God at North Dakota State. So he he was dean of engineering, academically at a secular university, but he loved Jesus and proclaimed that boldly on that campus. But he retired my sophomore year of college, and I got to go and um, volunteer a summer, living with him in Rwanda and serving and learning from him. And It was, it was a wild, a wild summer, a, fun, a ton of fun and learned a ton, but six weeks into it, everything came to head. And one morning I was trying to head out to, to head to the work site and I went to my little man bag that I had uh, where I kept my, my wad of cash and I had brought you know, several hundred dollars uh, and the few hundred dollars that I had left I had specifically in a little uh, pocket in that bag and I went to the, the pocket in the bag and the money was gone. I realized I had, my money had disappeared I went to Dr. Helwig and his wife and talked with them and it came out that one of the, the cleaners in the house had stole, stole my money. So there I was, without the money they'd already fled. they were long gone and um, without money, I'm like, what am I going to do? This is, I have you know, 10 weeks left in my trip, and how am I going to survive without this money? You know I'm a young college kid don't know which way, which way is up. Um, so for me, it was a big deal, but I feel like I'm really grand scheme of things, not a big deal. The, the next day, Dr. Hellwig has a, an eruption internally in his intestines, and he has to get um, evacuated out of the country, out of Rwanda, to a neighboring country, to Kenya, to get medical treatment. And so in a matter of 24 hours, I get, you know, all of my cash stolen from me, and the, the my caretaker, I mean, the people I'm staying with, my hosts, um, get taken away from me I'm sitting in this house by myself just just floundering not knowing which way is up so as I was recalling the story this week I went back to my journal and there is honesty in that journal like similar to the psalmist it's like Lord like everything feels like it's falling apart like did I miss you How, like what am I doing here like what do I do but as you sit with the Lord and in raw honesty, rend your heart to the Lord, he pierces through it and he meets you. And in a moment of stillness, and a moment of quiet, the Lord meets you there. And at the end of my journal, I said, Lord, you gave me all of this. I'm only here because you brought me here. You, you gave me all the money in the first place. Therefore, you're my provider. I start, I, the Lord really brought me to truth. He brought me to his testimony over my life the claims that he made over my life in the first place. That's the Lord's will for your life, that you'd cling to the testimony of God. Let's keep reading verse uh, 145. With my whole heart I cry, answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I call to you, save me, that I may observe your testimonies. I I rise before dawn, I cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love, O Lord, according to your justice. Give me life. They draw me near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law. But you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long have I known your testimonies that you founded them, Forever, The Lord is near. That's the truth over your life. That the Lord is near. Look no further than the cross to know that God is near. God is not distant. And the cross is proof to all of human history that God is near. Because God chose to actually insert him into the misery of humanity. Place himself willingly on a cross. In the midst of us. To come to the ones he created, to the ones who had rebelled against him. So if you have a doubt about God's nearness, look to the cross. You are near, O Lord, and long have I known from your testimonies that you founded them forever. This testimony of God that wasn't an afterthought, the cross was not plan B, this was God's plan from the very beginning. So the cry of my heart is to look at the testimonies of God and put my hope in them, to trust in them over what I see with my eyes. Easier said than done. Right? It's okay to be honest. We bring ourselves to cling to the testimonies of God. I'm reminded of a story in the Gospels in Mark chapter 9 where his father comes in desperation with a son who's being tormented by demons. And he comes to Jesus and says, you know, your disciples, they couldn't cast the demons out of my son. And he says something very revealing. If you have any care, if you can and if you care, will you do something for my son? He says those two things. If you can and if you have, if you care, if you have any care in your heart, will you do something for my son? Jesus' response is it pierces my heart brings me to my knees Jesus' response is that all things are possible for those who believe believe in in what? I mean just believe positive thoughts just believe for the best believe on him he's standing right before him all things are possible for those that believe in The man says, "I do believe, but help me in my unbelief." Many people think that you know faith and and un, you know faithlessness and unbelief are the same thing, but I don't believe that they are. I believe there can be faith, sufficient faith in Jesus Christ, but we sometimes give room. For unbelief to also stay resident and and grow alongside that, that faith. And this man standing before the Messiah himself said, I believe on you. And I've heard the testimonies of your power and your authority. But I cannot deny that there's moments of unbelief. Help me in my unbelief. And Jesus casts the demons out of out of that, that boy, sets him free. The testimony of Jesus that he came near in the cross. And that is enough. We look to the cross. We point our eyes to what he has done. Lord, help me in my unbelief. Let's continue to read verse 153. Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust because they do not keep your commandments. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. I love this. 160. The sum of your word is truth. If you add it all up, it is truth. The word of God and every one of your righteous r- rules endures forever. I believe that the days are growing short. The time is growing urgent for us to cling to the testimony of God. I believe that will only increase in these days. For us to hear the testimony of God. I don't believe it's going to get easier for us to hear the testimony of God in these days the swirl will increase, the swirl of noise, the swirl of varying opinions. The antagonism to the things of God will only increase. And the Lord is calling for a people that will hear the testimony of God above the fleeting thoughts in our heads, above the opinions of people or the fads of a generation, to hear his testimony that will stand forever. Scripture tells us that in these last days, the love of many will grow cold. And Jesus also said that the seed of the gospel will be choked out by distractions and worries. So I mean, for the last 2,000 years, we've seen that. The gospel is received in hearts. But for some, it gets choked out by distractions and the worries of life. And we see it right now, the enemy, the enemy inundating a generation with busy distractions. We all, we all feel it, vying for our soul. Our minds being choked out by the worries of life until the testimony of God becomes difficult to discern. But in all of that, I want you to know that God remains immo- unmoved, immovable, unshaken, He stands sure. He is not impacted by the ways of the enemy or the ways of people. He's not impacted by the way the the coming uh, ways of a generation. It's we who are impacted. So what's what's at stake is is not God's competence or his validity. His testimony stands true. So bring yourself back to that initial. Illustration I brought, brought to your minds of two kids coming to you with their sides of the story. In your life, it's, it's God's story. He's wooing your heart, convincing your heart, and then there's this other story. That spoiled kid, that, the kid who's always twisting the truth. Those thoughts in your head that never quite get it right. God is not impacted by the wind and the waves of a generation or of people. God's competence is not on trial. His validity, the claims that he's made about himself is not on trial. God's testimony is established and will stand forever. Verse 161. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I'm going to invite the worship team for this. Oh, Scott just got ruptured. Oh, there he is. Okay, yeah. Pastor Scott and the worship team can, can come. Verse 162 says, I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have come. Or sorry, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. We all want peace, right? Like cling to the testimony of the Lord. Great peace is promised to those who cling to the testimony of the Lord. Verse 166: I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Do we love the testimony of God? Do we realize that all of our ways are before him anyways? That's what the psalmist says. That our ways are before the Lord. We oftentimes live oblivious to this. It's like you think back to the Garden, Adam and Eve trying to hide from God. After they've they've messed up, they've rebelled against God. They're trying to hide from God. We oftentimes live the same way. Like maybe if I don't make eye contact with God... Maybe he won't see me. The testimony of God is getting our attention, trying to recalibrate us to what we were created for. May we love the testimony of the Lord. May we hate all other testimonies. And may we cling with such a love the testimony of the Lord. I've been having such a like, stirring uh, ur- urgency and boldness in my heart to contend for breakthrough in people's lives, to pray for the miraculous. That's because of the testimony of the Lord becoming more and more vibrantly alive to my heart. I can't help but look at the cross and see the price that Jesus paid for us and then not also contend for my neighbor's salvation. Or see someone in pain and then not pray for them to experience a miraculous touch from God. That's what he paid for on the cross. That's what his resurrection demonstrated that he had power over. So the testimony of God is not on trial. So oftentimes we're, we're afraid to step out and share the love of God with somebody. Or pray for someone to experience healing in their bodies, thinking that somehow, you know, God's reputation is on trial here. That's what's at stake. And every time we do that and we hesitate, we're just really revealing the problems on our side, not on God's. We have been entrusted with a testimony of one who hung upon a tree on our behalf that offers forgiveness and mercy and wholeness and says, by his stripes, we are healed. I believe we have a testimony to believe over our city, over this region. His desire is that that his kingdom would come near and break into this region of people's lives, compelling them to come to him. Let's read this final stanza. It says in verse 169, let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will praise for, or will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all of your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you and and let your rules help me. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. The psalmist longs for salvation. The saving power of God to break into his life. And we've seen that come in the person of Jesus Christ. God himself broke in to our human misery. So we have the testimony of God. So do you want to know what God is claiming about himself? Do you want to know what this divine charge or claim is that God has made available to us? Look to Jesus. Look to the cross. That's why the psalmist says here that he longs for the Lord's salvation. We have been entrusted with that revelation, with that claim about God himself. If you'd all stand to your feet, we are going to end with communion. But I was reminded of a testimony by a pastor and scholar up in the Twin Cities area named Greg Boyd. Greg Boyd shared the testimony, his own testimony, as an undergraduate student at the University of Minnesota. He came out of an uh, astronomy class where they had just been considering the galaxies, and there, in on the University of Minnesota campus, he looked up at the stars and he's questioning everything about God, about himself. He said, "God, if you are real, like I, I see your beauty in the universe and the galaxies." It's undeniable. But God, if you're real, what about human tragedy? Like, what about all the pains that I see happening across the earth? And his mind went to the the travesty, the the tragedies of World War II and the Holocaust. He said, God, if if you are real, yes, I see you, your your creative hand in the galaxies, but if you're real, how could you allow what happened at Auschwitz to have happened? How is that compatible with a good, loving God? And he made this claim. He said, the only God I can believe in is the one who knows firsthand what it's like to be a Jewish boy buried alive. And he said, the only God that I can believe in is the one who knows what it's like to be a mother watching her son be buried alive. And right then, the Holy Spirit quickened his heart to realize what he had just said. Because that's exactly what we have in the gospel. That is the Christian message. A God who did not leave himself removed from our human misery and our human pain, but instead actually chose willingly to come and experience it himself. To come and willingly give himself on the cross on our behalf who didn't leave us to suffer on our own but instead came and made a way by taking on himself the full pain of our own rebellion that is the testimony of God it's Jesus this has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week For more resources, visit us at LiveTheMessage.org.